Kinnis, Kinnis is something that most of us dread saying for two reasons. All the years mostly because we didn't understand what we were saying at all. And Baruch Hashem, so now we have, we have Perushim, we have translations. I hope we won't have to say them and read them anymore. But mostly because we feel detached from the whole picture of Chorban. In our small way of thinking, if we can go to Yushalayim and there are some hotel rooms available and things are, are quiet, we're happy. And like many other things that have happened, <clears throat> it's happened nowadays, the commercialization of Yiddishkeit, and what's become of Tisha B'Av at the Kaisal Hamaravi, a social gathering. And I'm not... I'm not a great fan of the kinnis becoming the subject of study. Not that I don't believe in studying anything that was written by the tzaddikim, anything in Tanakh. So if a person wants to spend some time studying kinnis, there's certainly time during the year, during the three weeks, to study kinnis. Just like it's wonderful during Elul and Tishrei to learn Hilchus Shuv of the Rambam. But the same way that a Jew who only learns Hilchus Shuvah and doesn't do Shuvah is incomplete, the Iker is not. <coughs> the Iker is not. The Iker is not doing kinas, or saying kinas, and explaining kinas. The Iker is to, to live through the kinas, and that's why we just read in Haftarah, "Mitain Roshimayim Veini Mekar Dima." The Navi is asking. If only somebody would be able to turn my head into water. Tears. And my eye should be able to bring a fountain, a makar, a source of tears. So I was thinking, what does that mean? If only I could become a source of tears. My eyes could become a source of tears. It's a, it's a very unusual lotion. We would say to the Navi, Rabbi, if you, if you want to cry, then cry. What does it mean to be a source of tears? But I believe that, that from Yumiyo Hanav we're being taught what our responsibility is, what my responsibility is, and yours as well, as parents, as friends, and so on. To be a Makardema, to be a source of another Jew thinking and feeling and crying, a little bit about what's happened and be filled with the tefillahs I spoke about last night for the future. To be mekordimah. Yumiyo was asking Hashem to help him cause others to think and to cry and to feel. <clears throat> In the past, on Tisha B'av, I would sometimes share some particularly jarring things that I had read during the year. And last year one of the parents said to me that there was that it was, it was so graphic that, uh, that his child wasn't able to sleep and it caused, and it caused the child quite a bit of, uh, of anxiety. And uh, I realized that, that one has to be careful about these things. And therefore I'm going to take care not really to do that. Each and every one of you and myself were capable of studying. There's no shortage of what to read, unfortunately 
descriptions, horrible, horrible descriptions. One of the chevra gave me something the other day about it's a book that's called Neighbors, Our Polish Neighbors, who with great joy and, and great enthusiasm took upon themselves, volunteered, took upon themselves to prepare the way for the, for the Nazis in Mashaman. There's plenty what to read. <clears throat> so I'm not going to I'm not going to engage in that because it's not worth it, even if it's a makardima, even if it causes us to think and to feel and to cry, it certainly is not worth it if one Jewish child is going to lose sleep. If one child is going to have bad dreams, it's not Khalilah worth causing such pain. We just read. Reb Daniel just read the Haftarah. And we know exactly what Reb Daniel was thinking about and what each and every one of us is thinking about when the Pesach was said. So death has, death has risen, death has found a place in our windows. Moabam and Hussein would come into our palaces, into our homes. To cut down to kill infants. Bachurim Merchavis and young men walking on the streets. I was thinking about something. I wasn't sure if I should share it with you. But I think that before we start keenness, it's important. You know that the one of the wonders of this time of the year is that the beginning of Chorban, Shavasa Batamas, when the wall was broken, in Tanakh it says that it happened on the ninth of Tamas. It happened on the ninth of Tamas, it says in Tanakh. So it's a kasha. What's Shavas of It's supposed to be the ninth. So there are those that answer that the first base of Mikdash was Taka on the ninth, where the Chorban began, and the second base of Mikdash was on the seventeenth. And since the seventeenth is Chormelon, stricter the and the devastation was more complete. Therefore, Chazal, therefore the Takana, the Nevi'im, was that it should be uniformly kept on the 17th of Tammuz following the date of the second Chorm. But that's not what the Yushalmi says. I spoke about this a few years ago in a different way. But I'm so, I'm so troubled by this Yushalmi that I just wanted to talk to you about it for a couple of minutes before we start. The Yushalmi says, in Tanis, in the third paragraph, the Yushalmi says, Bishoyin ha-yagamken The Yushalmi says it's not true. The Yushalmi says that the first, the first one was also the 17th. It was always the 17th. Chorban began on the 17th. Bishoyin ha-yagamken El-Vipnei Hatsaris Ta'u 
But because of the Tsaris, the Jewish people were confused. And they made a mistake with the Khajman. They made a mistake on the calendar. Taisus brings down this Yerushalmi. <coughs> you know, if we talk day and night to try to explain this sentence of Yerushalmi, we couldn't figure it out. What does that mean? What does that mean? The whole Klai Yisrael made a mistake with the Khajman. Jews make a mistake with the Khajman. It's not our Teva, it's not our nature. Nevi'im. So I explained that it must be that this itself is an expression of the Churban. It can't be done. They made a mistake with the calendar. Sometimes a chasna, you make a year off a day or two, you don't realize you made a mistake, you didn't put down the right day. The Churban? You think there's a, you think there's a, a, a Jew in the world who can forget the day that, it, that a, a parent died? day that a child God forbid passed away so what does it mean now this is an expression of Chorban you see a people a nation a people that have a Chorban that keep a Chorban of the Tsars that they've been through that they're aware of the tsaras, and every single tsara is counted. So there's some tick for there's some hope. But what's scary, and what I'm afraid of, this sentence of the Yushalmi Torah doesn't only mean a mistake on the calendar. What does Torah mean? people who stopped counting, who lost track of the Tsarists. We're not counting the Tsarists anymore. So this year the wall was broken. There had always been, there have been occasional impasses. But this year the wall separating between Yisrael and Yishmael was totally shattered. He calls that Nishma B'tziyayin. Eich Shudadno. And there's a great cry that's going out in Eich Yisrael. Eich Shudadno, we've been, we've been ripped off. We've been attacked. And that's a tragedy. But perhaps the tra- greatest tragedy of all, and what we have to think about, and why we're saying Kinas, this is why we're saying Kinas. The Yushalmi says, We've become so used to to opening up the newspaper. Do you remember when it first began? So we heard about a, a soldier. When it first began, our kishkas fell out every single time we turned on and we heard a certain thing on the news. Every time you heard about a rock that was thrown and a bullet that was shot, our kishkas fell out. But over time, we've just become so used to this that we've lost the chashb. We're not counting anymore. 
we're not paying attention anymore to what our people have lost, what we've lost. And if during the if during the coming months we have Yom Naraim, the days of Yom Naraim are coming up, and Hashem says to make a Cheshbon Hanefesh. So I was thinking, Yom Naraim. This year there haven't only been Yom Naraim, there have been Shavuos, Chadashim, Naraim. Horrible. Whereas the issue here is not a Cheshbon Hanefesh. The question is, are we still making a Cheshbon Nefashis? Do we still make a Cheshbon of how many children, Jewish, Jewish souls have been taken from us this year? That we've become so used to hearing, God forbid, to hearing about Saras. You know, the emotional Kodesh in Hebrew. In Hebrew, there are a few words for inaction. For inaction, for restraint. There are a couple of words in Hebrew. I mean, in real Hebrew, in Lashon HaKadosh. There's a word in Hebrew, Havloga, Lahavlig. Havloga means that a person is feeling an unbelievable, powerful emotion, and he holds it back. He restrains himself from expressing this emotion. Here, this word lahavlig is an expression of strength, which means a person who is filled with emotion, but struggles with great strength to hold back, to be koyvesh, these feelings from pouring out. But there's another word in Hebrew for inaction. In Hebrew, it's also its sources in Tanakh. The word is adishus, adishut. Adishus means apathy. It means apathy. It means I don't feel anything. It means like the Yushalmi says, sometimes the tzaris just go on and on so that Jews stop feeling the pain of every rock and every bullet, of every single loss that we've experienced. That's what we just read in the Haftarah five minutes ago. We read, Mavligisi Aleyagon, Olayli Bidavai. Mavligisi is the word, Lahavlig. I'm trying to hold back my sorrow and to be strong. I'm trying to hold back. The Navi says, Mavligisi Aleyagon, Olayli Bidavai. But my heart is sick. The screaming, the crying of my people is reaching me from a distant land. Is there no God in there? It's a is there no God in Yerushalayim? Has the king, has the king disappeared from Yerushalayim? That Koach of Havloga is a Jewish trait and it's a very holy meter. It's one that I grew up seeing in my own house people who are filled with unbelievable emotions that they were holding back that they were holding back in order not to hurt the children and the Navi says 
So there is a meat of Havlaga to hold back pain, to hold back anger. That's a very wonderful positive midah in a Jew. But that person has a cheshbin. He has a cheshbin that's so unbelievable. You remember we spoke about this years ago? The Gemara says in Chagiga that Hashem says, B'mistarm tiv kenafshi, the Gemara brings the Pasuk of Negei, for Hashem says, I cry it in a secret hiding place. Hashem says, I have a place that's called Mistarm. The Gemara says, it's a secret place, and in that place I'm always crying. And we learn the Torah from the Eish Kaidish, where the Rebbe said, in this world you can't see Hashem crying. It looks like everything is just peachy. Everything is great. <clears throat> everything was fine. But if a Jew is able to go into that hidden chamber where Hashem cries, he'll see that in that hidden place which is called the Neshama, I lie, be davai, my heart is sick. So it looks to us, it seems to us that Hashem is, in, everything is great, Hashem is so happy. This is not called Havloga. What our people is going through now is called Adishus, apathy. And we are saying keenness to shake us out of that apathy. To remember the Cheshman. Why do we have to go over again? What is Givain? Is Givain? Again we have to talk about every single detail. What happened the first bias, second bias. What happened during the Crusades. Do you remember how Every single time Menachem Begin would get up to speak, no matter where he was, he would talk about the Holocaust, and you could see, you could see the whole world rolling its eyes. Uh, here we go again. And there's a new generation in Israel. There's a new generation of Israelis, of leaders, who don't have that feeling, who don't have that emotion that he had. Therefore, it's no longer a question of restraint. So the Yushalmi says there's such a thing that because of our Tsarist Tawbah No, I heard on the radio this report, that report that happened again. Hashem says that my children, and he said that about Egyptians, my children are drowning in the Yamsuf Atamaimimshir. So they have Svira tapes. While I'm in the country, they were already playing the tapes during the nine days. They said there's no music, so, so, so I'll pee din, you're allowed to listen, I'll pee din. I knew this was going to happen with those Svira tapes. I knew that it was going to be during the nine days. How could there be such a thing? You're asking a Shaila, am I allowed to have it? It's a Shaila, it's Machloik, it's Rambam and Raivid? Whether or not you could whether or not you could put on a thing blasting over the whole camp for the children to hear music during the nine days. It's a Shaila. What's wrong with us? You know what's wrong with us? That we're, that we're asking these Shailas. That's what's wrong with us. Would a parent who would see his child killed have a think about asking a question about listening to this music because there's no real music? Mavligisi, Allah, you're going. The Novi says like this, Mavligisi is a Gavaldagamita to hold back tears, to be a strong person. But you know when? But in my heart, I'm heartsick, I'm broken. 
I'm broken. But what's happened to a people that told Bechashim that we lost count already? Another, another, another bomb, another suicide explosion. Another bus that was stoned, another car that was stoned. No, we get weiter. The big thing that I'm worried about today is whether I can listen to another song. Or whether Chasva Khalila for, for a minute, for a week, for a week, for one lousy week, I can't go without it. His iris is not his iris. What kind of his iris? Like the Gemara says, that only the boss of the flesh of a living person feels pain, but if you're dead, you can stick a needle and you don't feel it. That's what's happened to us. Adishus. We've become apathetic. We're a people that lost Cheshben already. What does it mean anymore, the number six million? But there was a Kliga here, there was a smart Jew. Years ago in Yad Vashem. I'm not sure they have that here in the museum. I was only there once, I don't remember in Washington. To start saying names. Names. <coughs> Yankel Greenberg. Sorrel Katz. Right? From this one is from Kilt. This was from Crocker. This was from Budapest. Start saying names. the pictures that I mentioned last night in the newspaper of the Jews that were killed this year they already became part of the six million it's already a toast and cheshbon no, Jews know how to count Jews are the best accountants in the world Jews don't forget Jews, Jews know numbers very very well before they were calculators Jews knew how to calculate that's not what it means toll cheshbon and Tobacheshu means that there comes a point of such confusion, of such bewilderment, of such gullus, that we don't make any more a cheshben nefoshes, a cheshben and nefesh, forget it. Of at least Jews used to make a cheshben of nefoshes. Of how many of our children have been killed? How many parents and grandparents? You see, when a person has their own, God forbid, their own personal tzoris, there is such a midah and there is such a chesidah that a person holds back. You want to hold back, it's your personal tzoris, that's a gewaldige midah, whatever that is, I don't understand how people do it. There are, there are very strong people in this world, and I meet them all the time, who have gone through such gehenims, who are going through gehenims, and you don't hear a word. But when is this that it's a good meter of Mavligisi to restrain and to hold back the tears? When is that? That's only in a situation of Alayagon, of Alaylidvidavai, when it's my own personal tsar, when my own heart is broken. But as far as the Yisurim, the suffering of the Jewish people is concerned, So the Gemara says in Tanis, "Bizman shehat zibur shari b'tzar, or pirish echad mehem pirish echad mehem vayim eshalom alai nafshi." If the Jewish people, if there's a zibur, if there's a community of Jews that's in a state of tzar of anguish, and one Jew goes and separates himself, vayim and he says, "Shalom alai nafshi." The main thing is that my propane tank is filled today. The main thing is what. 
that my kid's in camp and he's not bothering me. The main thing is that things are going on and the Parnassah wasn't there today. Shalom alay nafshi. So the Gemara says, Shnei malachi asharis hamalav malachim boim boimim. Two malachim that are accompanying a person through this world. The two malachim come and they place their, their hands upon the person and say, Ploini shapirish manatsiba. This Jew who separated himself from the community of Jews who are suffering, who didn't feel their pain, who didn't cry during that tzar, the two malachim say, this Jew will not be fortunate to see the consolement, the comforting and the joy of the Jewish people. We hear the cry that's coming from a distant land. It's our land. It's our Israel. To our people. For our people. From our people. So we often think, what difference will it make? What difference could it possibly make if I scream, if I cry? Nabi says, give a shry, give a scream. So the Jew thinks, what difference does it make? So I'm going to save Yushalayim Yerucha, so then what? Then we're going to go back to Yushalayim. And if I dive in the Kabbat Nidcha Ami Yisrael, there's going to be a Kibbutz Goliath. And if I say, take away from us sighing and crashing and, and pain. No, my davening, my, my calling, my keenness. My tefillahs, my tillim is going to make a difference. My vilushlai mircha. The chasam soifers had a lot of vilushlai mirchas. The Ariya called this the Vilna Gon, the Baal Shem Tov said plenty, plenty of the Kabbis Nidchamu Yisrael. And it hasn't happened. But the Rabbi Shalom told the Novi to tell us. As the Novi Yeshaya came and told the Jewish people, that Hashem has appointed us to be the guardians of the walls of Yushalayim. And how are Jews supposed to take care of Yushalayim? How are we supposed to guard Yushalayim? There isn't one person in this room right now who wouldn't give anything to guard Yushalayim, to guard Eretz Yisrael, to guard the Yishuvim, to guard our, our brothers and sisters. There isn't one here who wouldn't run and to do whatever he could, whatever she could. To protect our people. So the Navi says, Al Damilachem. You have to do whatever you have to do with the rifles and with the, whatever you have to do. But the Navi says, the Iker of all Ikar is Al Damilachem. Don't be silent. Aldomilachem means don't be silent. And not only don't be silent, don't allow Hashem's Baruch to be silent. And Hashem said to the Novi, tell, tell the Jews, Aldomilachem, and don't let me be silent. And that's what we're saying, Kinnis. To come back to the Cheshbon, to remember the Cheshbon of all the years of past. 
and to remember the cheshbon, to remember the cheshbon of this past year, of each and every one of our brothers and sisters, and to think about what it means to lose and to be filled with a tefillah to regain. Hashem's book should, ha- should help us that we should talk and be able to put away these kindness. And there isn't one person here who wouldn't be Michael on the $20 or $22. That the yontif should be a yontif the way it's supposed to be. It should be a noyed the way it's supposed to be. But until that day, we still have to scream. We still have to call out, Aldo And each and every one of us can make a difference. And Hashem says that your vil Yushalayim Yecha makes a difference. As I said two weeks ago in Shabbos, that every single tear, every single tefillah, is added together and it hits that point where the where Kivyachal he can't bear it anymore it's going to happen then every single one of those tears will come before Hashem is brought demanding redemption and that's what Tishvah is all about I'll share with you for, for two minutes the next <clears throat> the next capital the next kina. The next kina, if it could happen that, that women ate the fruit of their own womb, the babies, the babies of their care, it's a kina <clears throat> that the Jewish people have been brought into, into such a massive, into such a place that it's possible to conceive of Jewish women, of mothers, of mothers having to, having to eat the flesh of their children. So I just wanted to wanted to share with you something that I saw. Mamish for a minute. There was a there was a great paisek. The Devar Yeshua, his Rav in Tel Aviv, a tremendous Tamachacham <coughs> went through Gehanim. So I saw in the Sefer that it was the, the last few days of the war. Let me read to you what I found in the Sefer about a Shiloh question that was presented to the Devar Yeshua to Reverence Jacob Sarkovrach. He says that the Chorega Mesu Besodas Meyas Ish Mirav Mitzama. This is already. The last mamish, <clears throat> the end of the Muhammad, you know, you all know, at the end of the Muhammad, to a large extent, Jews were just being left without anything, without water, without food. The German war machine was doing whatever it could to still exterminate Jews, but was so crippled, the war machine was so crippled by having to, by having to ward off the now approaching Americans and Russians and English. So in many places Jews were just left for dead. They were surrounded, they were they were surrounded and they were left to die. So it's brought down here in the Sefer. Baverinson wrote this, he's describing this. He says that Hasium Hukzaku Bishatah Pasuach Takas keepers of Shamai that the prisoners were kept, <clears throat> they weren't kept anymore in bunkers, the, the Germans were on the run, and they took the Jews with them. Even though 
It's crazy. It's suicidal. It was slowing them down, having to schlep these these They took the Jews and they surrounded them and they kept them in these open fields. For 14 days. They were being very heavily guarded. Gestapo Germans were all over. They weren't giving the Jews anything to eat by this time. So he says what we were doing is that we were clawing at the at the grass. We were thankful that we were at least in a field and we were pulling at the grass to eat the to eat the grass. Even though the Gestapo warned the Jews that if anybody's caught eating grass, they'll be shot. listen to this, that there were Germans who owned this, this, this field, and they were very upset when the Nazis brought this bunch of Jews there, that it's going to ruin the grazing, the cows will not be able to graze there because of all the Jews who are picking at the grass. In other words, these fields are variants in the, the Germans, not, not the Nazis, the Germans, the farmers, were upset because they said that these fields were designated for the cattle. And how could you defile and ruin the fields by bringing some Jews there? Reverendson says that the Shaila came to me. They knew that Reverendson was a guy in Ireland. He was sitting over there with them. And he said it was only a matter of time. There were Jews who were lying there who were dead. And Jews came over to whisper to me, to ask me the unthinkable Shaila. Are you allowed to eat the flesh of those who have died? The Shailu was asked, it's Pikuach Nefesh, Rabbi, we're dying. She says, she brings over here, that this Shaila, he says that when he was asked this Shaila, he began to shake and his, and his heart was breaking. And Hashoyal Hidgish, the one who was asking, emphasized, He asked the Rebbe, he says, Rebbe, I'm going to die. I've reached that point of Afisas Kaychas, I can't. And there was a doctor there. <clears throat> and the doctor was explaining, so the Rebbe asked, what happens, I mean, physically, if you eat such a thing? They were talking. So he said that, the doctor said that hundreds of lives perhaps could be saved. So he said these were the last days of the war. We felt that, and they were picking up, judging by the planes and what was going on and how they were on the run, that it was at that with the last few days, soon it was going to be, it was going to be the end. I couldn't bear the thought that a Jew shouldn't make it to the end already. 
Anerag that he should be killed. Here you have Jews, himself included, that went through the whole milchama. They went through all the years. <coughs> so I couldn't bear the thought that that these last minutes that they're going to die. So Aaronson said that he himself felt that he couldn't go on, and he was ne- he was nivhal. He was terrified. He said that his began to cry. And he said, said, Rabbi Shalom, Master of the Universe, take my life. And don't bring me to such a low thing that I should have to eat human flesh and paskin that other Jews should eat to eat the flesh of their own children or their own brothers and sisters. So what was his tshuva? How did he answer the Shailah? So some of you might be upset. Others will, others will understand. None of us can know unless we were there. It's impossible. Like I said yesterday morning, if you haven't been there, if you haven't seen with your own eyes, it's not. He says, my answer was short and to the point. Emes. Hatzadik idcha. True. You're right. Evshir shemin haddin mutavadavah. And al pidin, I can't really argue. Sav kosav, pikoach nefesh, is daicha the isra of eating. Machalas asuris. And we're talking about Pikoch Nefesh. And the Rebbe said it's true that in the days of the Churban Beis Amikdish, this is what we're going to say now, the 17th Kine, Im Techal Nanashim, Piriyam Aydleti Puchim, Im Tevashel Nanashim Achmanis, Yeladim Hamadudim Tvachim Tvachim. If it could happen that women ate the fruit of their own womb, the babies of their care. If it could happen that compassionate women cooked their own children whom they had so carefully measured, hand breath by hand breath. So the Rebbe says, or Aronson says, it's true that in the days of the Churban, Jews had to sink to even such a place. Avoyoreani, Reverence, and said, I'm afraid. Because if it gets around that I said that such a thing can take place to eat those who have died, I'm afraid that the situation is so desperate that Jews are going to start killing each other. They're going to start killing each other for the food to eat. And who are they going to kill? They're going to kill the weakest and the sickest. To eat their flesh because of my heter. That's one of the big three. And Reverend said, I have one more thing, one more point. Certainly the SS 
will enjoy the spectacle. Right? This they're not going to forbid. The grass we're not allowed to take because it's ruining the it's ruining the Germans' field. Where's <coughs> Yosha? But the Jews should start eating each other's flesh and killing each other. He says the SS will allow that. And the SS will watch this spectacle of eating each other's flesh. They will have a new accusation. The Jews are barbarians. The Jews are cannibals. And they'll start murdering every one of us. Because Jews are very, Germans are very cultured, right? The Germans are very fine people. They're very educated. They're very cultured people. And cannibalism is disgusting. So they'll kill every one of us. This last thing that I said, this Svaru, Aronson says, this last Svaru that I said, that they're going to kill all of us in a second when they see us doing this. This was accepted even by the Jew who came to ask him that question. The Jew who was at felt he was going to die. And he left. Within an hour, the orders arrived to be transferred, to be transported, and all of us survived. It's the end of the mice. So it's possible such a thing. That it's possible such a thing that's beyond their understanding. Mashal Nachmani is who loves a child more than a Jewish mother? It's impossible for us to understand. But thank God we've never experienced this kind of hunger and we've never had to ask these kind of shilas. The Gevuras Hanefesh, the strength of this Sadiq or Averinson, is something which inspired me very much. Hashem Isbach should help us that we should be able to only share delicious foods together that children to watch them grow up to be strong and healthy and that shouldn't ever ever such a child should never ever be raised we should be zayichet for the gula hashleimim teichal This next capital, this next kina, Chafei 25. It's definitely very, very kedai to take a look at the at the footnotes for a second to understand the historical background of this of this kina of. Unstoppable, unstoppable tears. The inability to stop crying. <clears throat> now that we've gone through some of the keenness about the, the keenness of the Ayesvishn, Ayesheni, the two temples, <clears throat> how crying has persisted throughout history. And the understanding that, the understanding that all Jewish suffering, wherever it takes place, is a continuation of the tears that began to flow with the Churban. 
which is why the tzaddikim and the reshishivas and the gedolei hatayra believe that Tishabov must be kept as the day to remember and to daven and to call out. The Tishabov was established as the day of crying. Just look for a minute. Let's just read for a minute together the bottom on page 270, 276. My head were water as you read in the Navi this morning. Significantly, this is the first king they recited on the ninth of Av that is apparently unrelated to the destruction of the two temples. Until now, everything we've been saying is about is connected to the Churban by Sishin and Shani. This is the first kina that's not at all about the temples. Indeed, this allergy mourns the calamity that befell the Jewish communities of the Rhineland. Worms, Vermeiser, Spare, and Mines, Magensa, in the year 1096 during the First Crusade. Over 1,000 years after the destruction of the Second Temple, the inclusion of this lament in Tishabah ritual serves to demonstrate that the source and cause of all Jewish tragedies in exile can and must be traced back to the destruction of our Temple. It goes on to discuss my source with Biskarov and the question of how to understand how to understand the Tzaras. So in the next paragraph on the right side, thus the essential purpose of this kin is to drive home this lesson. There are really no new tragedies befalling Israel. All of our woes stem from one tragic source, the destruction of the Temple on Tisha To establish a new day of mourning would, be, would detract from the significance of Tisha and obscure its lesson and message. This kin also answers the other major questions. Other major questions. Why does the exile continue? Why does God visit fresh calamities upon his people where have we gone astray? One of the main reasons for the continuation of our exile is because Jews are often quite content and comfortable in their adopted alien homelands and have all but lost their desire to return to poverty and hardships of Israel. Slowly the Jew ceases to identify with his true home, the Holy Land, and begins to feel intense pride in his citizenship in his new country. The destruction of the Jewish community of Worms in the German Rhineland was the work of the Crusaders. How ironic. The Crusaders were willing to leave everything behind. Homes, families, occupations. I'm always afraid that it's a... that God forbid it. It's a Katega. It doesn't look good for our people. How the Palestinians are fighting for every single inch of something which doesn't belong to them but they feel some vague historical connection to. And the Jewish people are so ready to write off pieces of Eretz Yisrael. And politicians can discuss this over tables. Only Jews who feel nothing about Eretz Yisrael who don't understand what all the keenness were about until now. Only such Jews could sit down and negotiate and give away pieces of Eretz Yisrael. Not that we don't understand that it's easy for us in America to talk about these things. I understand. Those who are familiar with what has happened this past year and have read some more of the studies, some more things that are now emerging from those days that, that the last Prime Minister spent with the previous President and the Sunni Yisrael and Arafat realize but to a large extent, the Prime Minister's aspirations were political, had nothing to do with Israel, had nothing to do with Yushalayim, 
had nothing to do with the Churban by Yisrish and the Bayis Shaini. So this Kina is remembering the communities of the Rhineland of Germany who was so secure. And this happened again. Because how were the Jews feeling in Berlin and Munich and what did the Eisamech say before it happened? With his Ruach HaKadosh in Meshachachma, when the Eisamech said, you're going to see what's going to happen. And the Jews have changed Berlin into Yerushalayim. They imagined that they were in Yerushalayim when they're sitting in Berlin. And the Meshachachma said that from there was going to begin the destruction. From there was going to begin the Churban. From Berlin. This complacency this ability to come to terms with with a life outside of Eretz Yisrael and without Beis Amikdash, without Yushalayim, this is what the keen is about. That's why the keen is now turning to the destruction of communities outside of Eretz Yisrael, beyond the Chor. Look inside, it continues. The classic work on Jewish history, the Seder HaDarez by Bichil Harpen, records the following observation in his entry for the year 1620. The author of the commentary, Sma, Sefimir Senayim and Shulchan Aruch, explained why the Jewish community of, of worms suffered far more persecution, pogroms, and evil decrees than other congregations. That Kehila was founded by Jewish exiles who made their way to Germany following the destruction of the First Temple. After 70 years of exile, many Jews returned from Babel to Israel and Yushalayim, but none returned from Fermiza from Worms. The community in Yushalayim wrote to the Kehila in Worms and urged them to join their new settlement in Yushalayim. But the complacent Jews of Worms dismissed this invitation out of hand. Instead they responded, you stay where you are in the great Jerusalem and we will continue to stay where we are in our little Jerusalem. In our little Jerusalem. What's left now of that little Jerusalem? You want to take a tour in Worms to see that they left Rashi's place over there is, uh, so that the Germans could make some money. The, Ger- the German tourism industry could make some money off that there was once a Rashi over there. That's what remained from the Kehila, the great Kehila of Armiza. This arrogant response was due to the prosperity and prestige the Jews of Worms enjoyed in the eyes of the, so- of the local Gentiles and their princes. The success of Worms was its undoing. That was... These were the words of the of the Seder Hadars. So I was thinking about this a little bit. To talk for a few minutes about this. One of the Chavayrim from Cedarhurst moved out to Israel with his family right before the summer. And um, I've read two emails that were sent to the Chavayrim. Two, mails, two emails from this wonderful, wonderful friend. And, <clears throat> and I was very misragish. I was filled with such emotion I can't even describe. Conflicting emotions. First of all, excitement that it's going well for him and his family. An unbelievable, immeasurable jealousy. A feeling of weakness. to the community of worms 
like everything else in the world, it has its shayrish, its root. Its root is in the Torah. Its root is in the Torah. And just last week, in the parasha, at the end of Bamidbar, that leaves the left, left is still in the Midbar after all these years. So the Torah tells us about B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain. Let's talk for five minutes about B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain. These were fine Jews, just like the Jews of Worms. These people who, who answered so arrogantly back to the community of Yushalayim, you stay in Yushalayim, we'll stay in our, you'll stay in a big Yushalayim, we stay in our little Yushalayim. They were fine Tamil Chacham over there. These were Rishayim that lived over there. What happened with B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain? So everybody remembers, it was just a short time ago in Chumash. So they had a taina. They had a taina that they, that they were making for themselves a little Yushalayim, right? Where was the little Yushalayim that the B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain were building? Nei Across the Jordan River. It's not far. Across the Yardin. They weren't 6,000, 9,000 miles away. It was across the Yardin. So we're not talking about 13th Avenue. We're not talking about about Woodburn, about the five towns. We're not talking about Monroe, Williamsburg, Flatbush, London, Antwerp. We're talking about Devayadin. So they said, Eretz Mikne Ravhi Labadacha Mikne. So they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we're doing very well over here in our little Yushalayim. We have, it's a place to graze the animals. We have a lot of grazing land over here. We have a lot of behemoths over here. We need a place for them to graze. You have to have, if you have two cars, you need, you need a bigger garage, no? It's poshit. So Moshe Rabbeinu says such a stark illusion, such a strong thing. That when you're reading it in the Chumash, you know, your, your eyes pop out. Like, everybody's thinking, whoa, what happened, Rebbe? What are you getting so worked up? Moshe Rabbeinu says, V'nei kamtem tachas avoseichem tarbus anoshim chatoim. You have raised up, following your parents, you have raised up a tarbus, a, a community, a culture of sinners. Very, very, very strong words from Moshe Rabbeinu, and it's a pella. It's really hard to understand. Sofkalsov, they explained to Moshe Rabbeinu they had a legitimate svara. They explained to Moshe Rabbeinu there's a problem with uh, with taking care of all of our belongings. So Moshe Rabbeinu has a taina. What do you what do you think? Your brothers should go to fight in the war of the conquest of Israel? Batem And you're gonna stay here? So what's hard to understand is that B'nai God and B'nai Ruvin didn't have such a Havamina and it's clear in Chomish right away. Why could, in other words, Rabbi, why can't you talk to us? We 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 understand that. We're not trying to we're not trying to uh, avoid a fight. We're not running away from our people to help. And they had, of course, the famous Tanai, B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain. Avada, 
that our intention is our intention is to uh, to help out with the Muhammad and after we help out with the war and the conquest we're going to come back and intend to our, to our property so why does Moshe Rabbeinu Paskin why does Moshe Rabbeinu make such a psak din on a, on a, a whole community a beautiful community of Jews to make such a psak din of Tabus and Noshim Chatoim, that you're a bunch of sinners, a bunch of sinners. And I'll tell you, I'm scared. You know where this is leading, that I'm scared. Of course, not every day is Tisha B'Av. But I'm, thank God. But I'm scared that the Psaka Din is still in effect. And I felt that way when I read, when I read Hanachman's, when I read the email. Let's understand. It must be something else was bothering Moshe Rabbeinu. It must be there was something else. Look at Safkasov. They had a lot of stuff. They had a lot of animals. And they're willing to help out in the war. They're willing to have, to make appeals and, and to send over stuff and to have some volunteers and, and you know, put up signs and advertisements in the newspapers. They're willing to do all that stuff. Moshe Rabbeinu heard something else when they said Nikna Rav and this is about the entire Chorban when they said that we have a lot of behemoths Moshe Rabbeinu don't understand you're not a businessman we have a lot of behemoths over here Nikna Rav the real reason the real reason was not because it was physically impossible it was a question of the priorities and where does that come across? Clearly it comes across in the Medrash. But the Medrash says, The Medrash calls the B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain fools. Eilu B'nai God B'nai Ruvain. This is a side point. Look how the Medrash defines Aksil, an idiot. Aksil is a fool. Look how the Medrash defines Aksil, a fool. A fool is a person, the Medrash says, a fool is a person who's Isis Ike Tafel, Tafel Ike. A fool, and it's the same definition, Ad Hayyim, to this day. A fool is a person who makes the most important things secondary, and what's less important, he makes important. That's a fool, that's a shaita. It's not the Hasan and Kaila, it's the, the smorgasbord. That's a shaita, it's an idiot. Right? It's a seal. So why the Bnei God and Bnei Ruven Ksilim? Why are they fools? So how did they make what was important secondary and what was secondary primary? How did they do such a thing? So it says, Omru They said to Moshe Rabbeinu in the parasha, we, are, we need to build, we need to build Gidus uh, um, for the sheep. Pens and, all, and, and the places for the animals. And we need to build cities for our children. So the Medrash says, It slips right by that Pasuk. What did they say first? We have to provide for our behemoths, for animals, and we also have to build for the kids someplace. That's what they said. It's Mepharish and Pasuk. We have to build something for the animals. 
and then for the and then and then for our children. This became this reached Lahavdul by the Goyim, by the Germans, a very bizarre and sick extreme when they were crying and taking care of Jewish pets while they were marching the Jews off to die. They felt bad for the dogs and the cats that the Jews had with them. Lahavdul. So what's Moshe Rabbeinu? What is Moshe Rabbeinu picking up on? The Mikna Rav. They have a legitimate Taina. Because Moshe Rabbeinu heard when they said this Pasuk. When they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, we have to build things for animals, for our belongings. We have to have, right, uh, buildings and this and that. And we have to have the two-car garage. We have to build all these things. And also we have to have for the children, yeshivas and so on. And we don't have enough room in Israel. It's very busy over there. So Moshe Rabbeinu heard that the truth was that what? That the tzayin, the animals, the cattle was more chashiv in their eyes than the future of their children was more important than bringing up their children as Jews. This is a sin that's repeating itself in worms and everywhere where Jews have been. This is, we'll make our little Yerushalayim. You stay in your big Yerushalayim. So the Medrash is saying that when Jews hold on too tightly to the Mikna Rav, when Jews are holding on very tightly to the cattle, what was cattle then and now stock options and so on, when Jews hold on very tightly to the, to the Mikna Rav, the Mela, the result of that is that our hold on Israel becomes weakened that our grip on Eretz Yisrael becomes weaker. Because Haba Hataya, wanting Eretz Yisrael, holding on to Eretz Yisrael, depends upon appreciating its Kedushta, and recognizing that a place for our children, that's only Jewish, and a place for our people, that's filled with Kedushta and Tahara, and to have a base of Mikdash, and to have Nevoah, is more important to us than the Mikna Rav. That the Bnei God and Bnei Ruvain, they placed their Miknarav before what? Their children being in a place where they could walk and see the Beis Amikdash. Would they be able to live by Yushalayim, by Tzvas, by Tveria? But instead, the Miknarav was more important. Therefore, what's the result of this? So the Medrash says the result is as follows. That the Bnei God and Bnei Ruvain were very wealthy, just like the Jews in, in Germany. That the Bnei God and Bnei Ruvain were very wealthy. The Medrash says they had a lot of cattle and they liked their belongings. They were holding on very tightly to their mom and to their money. The, and then it says, So the Medrash says, in the end, they were the first ones to go into Gaulus. They lived outside of Yisrael, and they were the first ones to be sent away in Gaulus, in exile. We understand that the reason is that because their Kesher to Yisrael was weaker than all the other Shvatim, than all the other tribes. Therefore, since their connection to their belongings, to their things, to their property, to their places, 
even to just the familiar surroundings was more precious to them than the future of their children than Tapeinu. Therefore, they didn't feel the, they didn't feel that Eretz Yisrael is something which is indispensable. They felt that Eretz Yisrael is a, it's, a, it's a big Yushalayim and we have a little Yushalayim. Or like the advertisements that made Mermaid Kahana crazy that, that, that uh, Farakway is, is the little Natanya, remember? The Rabbi Kahana went nuts over that. He went nuts over everything. But over that, it was nuts of nuts. When I say nuts, I mean in a good way. I don't mean in a bad way. Now, everywhere in Yushalayim, they're painted on Kahana Tzadak everywhere, right? Now, now it's Kahana Tzadak. No. <clears throat> to make Natanya, to make Farakra into Natanya. So you understand, so the Medjur says, Mimela, if you're holding on so tightly to Farakra, if you're holding on so tightly to the things that you have there, and everywhere else in Galas, so Mimela, you can see yourself being a Jew without Yerushalayim. You could see yourself being a Jew without Yerushalayim, then it's taken away from you. Until at some point, the sense is knocked into the Jewish head to realize that we can't live without Yerushalayim. That we can't live without Abbas Mekdish. We can't live without Nevi'im. We can't go on living this way. So the entire the entire capital here, the entire kingdom, it's, it's crying, and we're still crying over the loss of our communities that became settled outside of Israel. And therefore, it contains within it the entire story of Avelis. Which the Avelis is that after all these years, we still feel that we can go on living without Yerushalayim, without Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, if there's a tabus, if there's a generation of Jews who are sinners, who don't realize the Kedusha, don't understand what it means to have Yerushalayim, what a Beis HaMikdash is, and they're negotiating. These are the people who are negotiating. These are the people who are sitting down with their enemies. What's going to be with our people? What's going to be with us? Therefore, our avoid is to strengthen our realization that there is no such thing as a little Yerushalayim. This is a very dangerous delusion that we're living in in Golis, that there's a little Yerushalayim. And if you're next to the ocean, it's a Kleinataveria. And if you're in the mountains, it's a little Tzvas, right? It's good air. This is a delusion that we're living with. And even now as we speak, the Bereshalim is trying to knock it out of our heads. Eretz Yisrael, Yerushalayim is a place of the Shechina. Yerushalayim is the place where we belong. And we have to feel the availus for the fact that we're not even crying over the loss. And we don't even feel the pain of the separation. If Hashem's book should help us, that as a result of remembering and crying and wanting it, that each and every one of us should be zorched to return with our families, with everybody, with the old people, with the, with the little ones, that each and every one of us should be zorched because that's the only place that the Jewish people can build for themselves a world where the children come before the Nick Nerav. Because in Chutzlaretz, we wouldn't be in Chutzlaretz. The people wouldn't be in Chutzlaretz. Each one of us has different reasons now. But we wouldn't be here as a people if Tapenu, if our children came before Miknarav, before the, the cattle.
cattle comes before the children. And Jews have been carried away in cattle cars. And we still haven't we still haven't come to realize that. The Bershom should help us to understand and to realize. Next, Kina Lamar Aleph, Tsayisim Mitzrayim, Tsayisim Yushalayim, it's famous. The contrast between the glory and the splendor of our people when we left Mitzrayim and the degradation, humiliation, dehumanization of our people as we were forced out of Yushalayim. This is a theme that all of you have noticed has been continuing throughout Kina's. The contrast between the way it's supposed to be and the way it actually is. This is brought out very clearly in one of the earlier kinas on page 242, 243, the 18th kina. You have promised I will surely do good with you. And so on. That entire kina the 18th Kina, is talking about the difficulty that we have. We raise our children, and we've all been raised hearing about the, the stories of our past and the wondrous things in our history and all the miracles that Hashem has done for us. And I'm sure that your children have asked the same thing that mine have asked me. So how come we don't have any of these things anymore? We don't see any more Baal We don't see any more Nisim in the flows that we saw in other words, the reality of Jewish history, what we see with our eyes, is inconsistent with what we ourselves are experiencing. With personal suffering, the suffering of our people, there's an inconsistency. And this pain, the pain that we have comes from this paradox of Mitzayisim Mitzrayim and Mitzayisim Yushalayim. All that we've ever been taught was Mitzayisim and Mitzrayim. That's what we teach our children and yeshiv, children in the yeshivas. But what we've actually experienced in life is Mitzayisim and Yushalayim. It's leaving Yushalayim. So the Balimusa have explained a remarkable thing. I saw this in the machines of the of the Tzaddik, the Meshkiach, Rav Vachtfeigl, from Lakewood, who heard it from his rebellion, his teachers who were great Tzaddikim, as Yeshivas in Bali Musa. So Lakewood Meshkiach said, everybody who learns a blood Gemara, any Jew who sits down and learns a blood Gemara, whether it's in Noshim, Nezikim, wherever it is, so you know that you learn a Mishnah, you learn a Brisa, and then in the Sugya, there are Kashas. Questions are being asked. Sometimes these questions are being brought from such faraway places, that they're Kashas, you're learning a Gemara. Anybody that starts to learn Gemara is totally dumbfounded and bewildered by this. We're talking about we're talking about Tilm and you're bringing me something that I have to look at some mission or someplace that talks about the mikveh. And he said, "What kind of a thing is this? Akasha? Why can't we stick to the subject? Yeah, 
So the way that the sugya works is that you have a mission, you have a brais, and you have all kinds of questions. And the Gemara brings all kinds of rayas, proofs from this place, that place. And then the Gemara brings different sources from other places in Shah's to what? To slug up those proofs, to knock down the rayas. And you're taking a journey all over Shah's. That's why we have such a problem learning these days. Because in the old days, the seder of learning was that you went through Shah's. And then you went to learn Be'in. Then you start learning on a much deeper level. But the way of learning now creates problems. Alright, why it has to be? Why is this way? I'm not arguing with that. But the Mitzvah is that a kid sits down to learn nowadays a page of Gemara. Kids, it's adults, right? You sit down to learn a page of Gemara. And the Gemara is asking you, Akasha, you're learning, you're learning Megillah. The Gemara is asking you, Akasha, from where from Yavam is. You don't even know how to read the words. You don't know what's talking about. You look to Yechavrus and you say, What does it mean, Zika? I don't know what that means. Did you ever come across that anywhere? So then you try to open up under the table, the art scroll. <laughs> what does that mean? Because I'm learning about Kriyasa Megillah. I'm learning about Haman and Achashverosh. And the Gemara is talking about something I never heard of. And if it starts to get into Aviyavis or if it starts to go into Taharis, Kodshim, Kodshim, Zvachim Menachis, then it doesn't help even with an art scroll. I don't know if there's an art scroll on Zvachim but it doesn't even help to look inside the English Bezrachim and Achis. It doesn't even help. So we're struggling through the blood Gemara because we don't know. We don't know. We're not familiar with all this, with all these places. So Rav Achtvayigel Tzadik says that a Jew learns a sugi in the Gemara. He's asking kashas from here, from all over. And the Gemara brings rayas back and forth. It's Leibadik. <coughs> so. The Meshgiach said, when you look at this on the surface, if you knew at this, and you're looking, you're thinking that one thing has nothing to do with the other. What is this, what is this uh, Indian from Taharis, from Kodshim, have to do with what I'm learning about, about Purim? If you ever try to make your way through one Torah from the Ragachava, even one, one sentence from the Ragachava, Ayin Shem, Ayin Shem, Ayin Shem, right? Without trying to get help from, from something. Even with even after you read all the Swam that are written, you can't understand. So the Rogatrava, you ask a Rogatrava a question, <coughs> am I allowed to ride a bicycle on Shabbos? So Rogatrava says, Ayn Shem, Ayn Shem, Ayn Shem, around 20 Ayn Shams, you look up the Gemara, it's talking about a husband, somebody giving a get to his wife. I asked the, the Rogatrava about riding a bicycle. You can't even understand what he's talking about. But really, really, everybody who learns knows that the most delicious and beautiful thing is when the whole sugya comes together. And if you learn what the Rogachev is talking about over there in Gittin, you realize that the Yisait, the Yisait is the exact same Yisait as the Shaila that was being asked by that, by that old Sadhguru Satan in Dvinsk. The same, the same Yisait. It's all one big pilpul, right? It's a pilpul. But the pilpul has one Yisait. And all the kashas and all the truths and all the questions and all the answers are all to resolve the kasha. All of that's to come to the Yisait. To understand really the oymik of the halacha, the depth of what the halacha really means. It's one long pilpul. The kids of the Meshgiach says, the Barishon looked into the Torah and he created the world. And he says, this world is one long pilpul. That's what this world is. It's a long pilpul. It's a pilpul with kashas terutsim. It's a it's a pilpul that you get lost. You can't figure out what's it talking about. For instance, lamosh. 
with this year, I hope, you, I hope you're okay. It's a little bit longer. Chatzais is 102. And the minigas did not, I'm not going to say we're going to go exactly till then, but to come at least close to Chatzais. That's the minigas to sit kinis, at least on the way to Chatzais. So I'm sorry it was difficult. The Torah begins with the Maisef Mechesed. Hashem made garments for Adam Echavah. And the Torah concludes with Hashem taking care of Moshe Rabbeinu's Leviah. Moshe Rabbeinu's burial. So Torah, Tchilasa Gimilas Chasadim, Vesayfa Gimilas It begins with Chesed, and the Torah ends with Chesed. But in between, the Meshgir says, but in between, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't look so nice. It begins with Chesed and ends with Chesed, but in the middle of the Torah, there are all kinds of punishments, and <clears throat> all kinds of Skilas, right, for Herrick and Chenek, right? The Abamis is Bezdin. And if you don't do this, you're going to get out, you're going to get patched. And if you don't do this, you're going to get killed. All kinds of kashas and, and rayas that are coming from a place that you don't understand, Bechlau. But the Mishkir said that a Jew has to know that what's between the beginning of the Torah of Gemilas Chasadim, that Hashem made a world, and the end of the Torah, which is what? Gemilas Chasadim, everything that's between. Every single thing that's between Bereshis and Leinik Yisrael is Kul Chesed. Just like when you're learning a Gemara. Even though it sounds to you, wow, I can't believe this, seem, this doesn't seem to fit at all. But only afterwards, when the whole thing is complete, you realize that without those kashas, without those rayas from all over Shas, you couldn't understand the Chlaw, what the Sugya means. It would mean nothing to you at all. So too in life, the Meshkiyach says the same thing in life. That's a long pill And all the suffering of Jews as a people, as individuals, in between the beginning of the pill the beginning of the sugya, and the end of the sugya, in between what? Bitsaisi mi Mitzrayim. And that final sentence that we're going to read, Bishuvi Liyushalayim. Sosn Vesimchev and Asyogan Vanachev Bishuvi Liyushalayim. The kina begins with Saisi mi Mitzrayim. We left Mitzrayim. In between the contrast, the paradox, the suffering, the patches, the caches, the questions that seem to make no sense, they don't fit in at all to what Hashem has told us, what He's promised us, until the last sentence will be the end of the sugya. The last sentence is the final end, it's the end of the Gemara, it's the big scene that's going to be with Mashiach Wat. Gladness and joy and anguish and, and sighing and crying will run away, will flee. When the Yisim will take place. When you think of davening, when you begin davening. different gifts. Hashem, you were king before you created the world. And then afterwards, After the entire world, you're going to be king. So I ask Akash, really? I mean, it's not nice to say it, who cares? I mean, if you think about it, you know, the Gemara Chagiga says, but I don't even have to think about what was before and what's after, right? It's not our business what's before and what's after. It's not my business. Is it my business to think what was before the world? No. Is it my business to think what's after the world? What's my business? not. But we begin davening every day. What? Davening begins. 
You were a king before creation. And and you're going to be a king after everything. So why is it necessary? The Teretz is because a Jew who knows that Hashem is king and that's the beginning of the sugya at the beginning of time, before everything. And he lives with that knowledge of Hashem Molach, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimlaich. He lives with the belief that Hashem is the king throughout the entire sugya. That he is going to live to see that day of Levada Yimlech Neir, of the end of the sugya, of the Siyim, the end of the Gemara. The end of this crazy pilpul that we call history. This Jew is going to live to see the end of the big pilpul, the end of the sugya, because he knows, even though in the middle, everything he sees is contradicting Hashem Melech. Hashem is king. It looks like everybody else is running the world. But if you know that what? The Terem Kal Yitzirnev. And you know that he was king, and he will be king. Then everything in between is part of the sugya that you can't understand. You can't understand how does how does Auschwitz Mauthausen, how does the Spanish Inquisition, how does Tachvetat, how does it fit into the sugya? It's a kasha. It is a kasha, and we don't have the terrorists for this kasha. But a Jew who's a man and knows that it began with Malchus Hashem and ends with Malchus Hashem, and in the middle is Malchus Hashem. It's just it's a sugya with kashas and truths I don't understand because they're being brought from such a strange place. Because because. Because Auschwitz doesn't fit into the sugi in our minds. And do you know how many Jews, Rahman al-Islam, have fallen between those two things, B'tseisim Mitzrayim and B'shuvil Yushalayim? The children who are on the streets right now, the children who are not sitting Tishabav, but instead of hanging out with the Chavra, who aren't interested anymore in Torah mitzvahs? Or what about the Jews who Bechlal don't even come from a religious home, who don't know anything more about Yiddishkeit all over the world? What happened to these Jews? What's happening to these Jews? That somehow they fell in between the Kasha, the first Kasha and the Siyam. They fell someplace in between. They got lost in the sugya. That's why so many of the kids are having a hard time, especially with Gemara. Because they're calling out for a terrorist. They can't bear anymore the kashas. They're sick and tired of the pilpul. When is it going to end? And therefore, between Mitzayim and Mitzrayim, and B'shuvil Yushalayim, these Jews are getting lost in the pilpul. And therefore... When they meet up with the tithes of this world, there are a lot of good things that the world is offering that, that seem exciting and, and much more thrilling than the Gemara that they're looking at. And seem to offer more fun and more excitement and more happiness than the sugya that they're in the middle of, of life. That's called life. So they're running away from that sugya. The truth is that every one of us began as Sadiqim and every one of us would like to end all of us would like to begin in a good way and we all expect to end in a good way but the problem is what happens during the sugya 
what's happening to us in the middle of the Gemara, that's the Kasha, in the middle of the Pilpul. Therefore we understand. A Jew who mourns over Yishalayim, that means a Jew who lives with the beginning, who remembers the base of Mikdash, who remembers there was once a Shechin in Yishalayim, who remembers the way it started for our people, who remembers B'tzayim and Mitzrayim. That Jew lives with that memory all of, throughout all of history, and he believes in the Bereshit throughout all of history. So that Jew is going to see what the Necham of Yishalayim, Hashem promises you who lived believing in my Melech in between the beginning of Adon Elam and the end of the whole sugya. Those of you who live with that belief, Hashem promises, I'm going to invite you to my grand siyum. You're going to be part of the big siyum in Yerushalayim. But Dovna Malach is going to bench. That we're going to be part of that siyum. That we held on to the Baruch Shalom during the kashas, during all the questions. When we didn't understand and we still don't understand. Those Jews who live with Hashem during the time of Avot, of B'tzaisi B'yushalayim, are going to live with the Baruch Shalom B'shuvi Yerushalayim. That's the bottom line. That's the Emes Amitai. Therefore the Baruch Shalom has to help us. There are many, many children who are falling between B'tzaisi Mitzrayim B'shuvi Yerushalayim. Many children. And there are many adults who wouldn't mind jumping themselves, but it would cause too many problems in life. It would just make too much of a problem. You know how many people tell me this? Somebody told me three weeks ago in the mountains that everybody's talking about these kids that are off the derech. He said to me, I wish I could go off the derech. Can you imagine? There's a fellow who has a beautiful family. He said to me, I wish I could go off the derech. He said, I don't, I don't mean for like uh, uh, my, the rest of my life. I just mean for a couple of, of weeks. So, and he felt bad about this. So I told him, you know, everybody thinks like that. The problem is, you know, you don't know if you're going to get back to Yushalayim if, to, if you leave. You don't know. Everybody thinks like that. Not everybody. And regular people think this way. But this fellow is so, so bored with his Avodah Hashem. He told me. It means... Absolutely nothing to him. He can't bear the thought of going to shul and being hacked again. He can't stand it. He says, my father used to hack me and kill me with the Yiddishkeit. And now the rabbi kills him with the Yiddishkeit. And I have to still give this to the children in a way that they should feel good about it. See, so I wouldn't mind the vacation myself. So many, many Jews are falling. Hashem Yerachim. So let's have this in mind. When we say this capital, this kina, let's have in mind this tefila, master of the universe. We know that you're a big lambdan. We know it. We know that you're bigger than the Rogatchev and the Vilnagon. We know that you're smarter than the Chassam Soif and Reb Sadik from Lublin. We know that, but we're not, and therefore we can't follow your sugya. We're losing track of the pilpul, and we're asking you. Can we come already to the last sentence of the Shuv Yushalayim quickly while there's still some of your children who are left?